0: Hello, everyone, and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode, we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host, Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic.
1: Welcome back, everyone. In this week's episode, we interview someone who I met early on in my piercing days. That individual is Mr. Miro Hernandez. Miro has been an individual in the industry that is well known for his upbeat personality and the way he creates beautiful combinations of gold and genuine stones in his jewelry. He's taught several times at conference and is always open to discuss trends and topics with fellow piercers. We invite him on to talk about a growing trend that has just appeared recently in social media. That pick is a positive for some and a gripe for others, but is important for everyone since it affects one of our most valuable things in the industry, our clients. That topic is curated piercings. So without further ado, Listen in as we talk about the positivity that this trend can bring, the hottest new color in fashion, and why taking everything at face value can leave you
0: in the past.
1: Miro, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Well, my name is Miro Hernandez. Uh, I'll be this year will mark my 17th year of piercing. I currently work at Dandyland in San Antonio, Texas. I've been with that company for about 14 years. I uh, was presented an opportunity years ago to become a partner in the business, uh, and from those that have been to our studio and visited, uh, my partner and I, Benji, we have just a really great dynamic with how we how we run the studio and how it goes and the people that we bring in. Uh, we recently moved our studio. Uh, we'll, yeah anybody ever wants to talk about that you can definitely shoot me messages I can tell you about the whole process we had to go through with that. That studio is gorgeous too. Oh thank you. Yeah, we we put a lot into it, you know, it was kind of It it was part part. We wanted something to really represent who we are and what we did as a as a as a studio. But I think it also kind of turned in with some of the opposition we had from the neighborhood associations that didn't want us in the area. We wanted to kind of have like a big middle finger and say, hey, you know what? We're in the Deco district and we have the most Deco building in the area.
1: That's awesome. I'll include in the show notes of this week's episode all the information on where to look up uh, Danny Land as well as your shop and everything like that so people can see the artwork that's on the sides of it because it's pretty amazing to say the very least. Thank you. Yeah. So actually on the interesting topic of amazing, new, beautiful things, uh, we currently have a new trend that has just miraculously shown up at the beginning of the year. And uh, coincidentally, that is this week's topic. The thing that we're going to talk about this week, I couldn't think of a more perfect guest than you Miro is curated our constellation piercings. So this came onto the radar maybe about a week or two ago and confused a lot of piercers. A video popped up on social media on, you know, the very (laughs) notorious one that has videos for everything. And uh, it made some rounds around the internet, including from, you know, clients to piercers to tattooers and all all sorts of stuff. Now, you can find this video real simple by just Googling curated piercings so you can see what we're talking about. And it's basically two young ladies that go to a piercing studio and get some nice piercings uh putting heavier quotes on that one but it walks you through the entire process from them talking about how they're nervous to them going into the studio to the piercing technician there working with them to give them you know some sort of jewelry uh that they are fond of and basically curate or You know, spend some time to make sure that they leave with piercings that look very good on their ears. Now, we're not going to spend a whole bunch of time going into the things that happened in the video that upset and made a lot of other piercers cringe, because that's besides the point. The big thing that we're talking about is the trend of curated piercings and what that possibly means for our industry. So, Miro, I'm going to give you a little bit of a speaker box so that you can Go ahead and talk and let us know what you think that that means for us, as well as is it something that we've been doing for a long time? How do you feel about it?
2: Uh, I think, honestly, it's probably one of the best things that can happen to our industry next to what happened a few years ago with the Triple forward Helix craze. Uh, you're getting people that are coming in off these crazes, and although some of us may not agree with it being called a curated piercing or whatever they may call it, uh, the reality is we've been doing the same thing for years on end. Uh, we get a client that walks in, they want some piercings on the ear, they let us look at their ear, we choose the anatomy where we think it's going to look best, and we talk to them about different jewelry options that'll work best. Uh, it's no different than what we've been doing for years on end. Uh, it's The only thing different now is that it's got a new name. Uh, and I've definitely seen a lot of people all over the internet that are they are kind of pooping all over it, you know, and... I, I can understand, you know, I think we, we felt the same thing years ago when we got into the topic of like gauges, you know, when people were referring to their plugs and eyelids as gauges, you know, and as a terminology for different things changes over the years. Uh, as piercers, I think a lot of how our business succeeds Depends a little bit on how how susceptible we are to actually opening up to these newer trends and these newer words and keeping up with the hipper times. You know, for a lot of those piercers that are in my generation and older, you know, we, we get a lot of confusion sometimes with some of these newer words. You know, I think one of the big, big ones also is people referring to it as like conch piercing with hoops as orbitals. You know, and someone comes in they say I want an orbital and your eyes get all big because you're thinking like an old school orbital from the 90 with a CBR connecting these two piercings and then they show you the picture picture uh and it's a tiny little twenty gauge seam ring and a conch that's really, really snug, uh inappropriate, you know, for something fresh. And you that's where we start talking to him and Talking about different jewelry combinations, possible different things we can do, you know, give them different suggestions. You know, although we're not opposed to starting them with hoops, let's show you some jewelry options. And that's where your moment comes in to really, really shine and talk to these people about their different jewelry options and maybe work on planning something in the future that's going to be cohesive with that piece of jewelry in there. Uh, I, I think, you know, the. I can definitely understand the resistance to the word curated, possibly even to the video and the things that happened in it. Uh, but the reality is when you've got somebody coming into your studio and they show you a picture of an full of gold and they say, I wanted a curated piercing. Don't let your body language tell you, oh, I hate that word. Uh, get excited about it because you're about to get a big ticket sale. Uh, there's no reason to be scared of that.
1: I think that's a, like a really good point. <clears throat> And the reason why I think that is, is at least my perception, and I try to stay off the internet a lot nowadays because it's just frustrating, but like curating or curate is not a dirty word. It's an amazing word for our industry. And curate, like according to the dictionary, is select, organize, present merchandise or information using professional or expert knowledge.
2: Absolutely.
1: That's rad. Yeah. Yeah. that's, That's so awesome for our industry to get a title such as that. And- I don't I don't know if it's just a lot of individuals are rolling their eyes cuz it it was on that website but yeah I would get pumped the fact that people come in and they're very excited for to give you the opportunity that isn't just like I want to get one hoop in my helix you know I want you to give me something that looks amazing I think is great. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. Great.
2: My, I mean, my first customer of the new year, the day we opened the, my second customer of the day that came in, she signed up, we got her paper done. I asked her what she wants. She's like, well, she's like, I want a curated ear piercing. Do you do those? And my, my eyes just kind of opened and I kind of knew what she was wanting and she showed me this picture and I knew exactly where to go, you know? And at that point, like, when I'm doing that the second day into the new year after this thing has started, it's a really, really good sign. You're going to get to do multiple piercings. You're going to get to do them with rad pieces of jewelry. Uh, and there's, that's absolutely amazing. That's what we've wanted. We want people to be more selective of their jewelry, you know. And if they get that opportunity because of a word that people are using, you know, that they don't like or agree with, boo-hoo. Make that money.
1: Yeah, for reals. A lot of people were upset about the, the Doth-Dath craze because they were – I mean, that's a whole nother topic. But the thing is is that people are still coming to your shop to give you money for you to do a piercing, which is your job. Yeah. So you should be stoked that people are coming in, especially when it's typically your you know middle-aged ladies who are looking for something fun and fancy and also tip really well. So I don't – I never understand why people are upset about that one. But – honest to goodness I've I have worked in Dannyland I've worked with you and I have seen you work and basically now there's just a fancy new title for the things that you do it just most how do I put this most piercers are going to as soon as a client comes in they're gonna spend time with them figure out what they're trying to get work with them see what their budget is and then see what their end game is and all of that falls into now this new titled, Curated piercing, which I think is just a really awesome thing. Yeah.
2: You know, and I I think one of the key words, you know, it's, it's a, it's a process, you know, it's not as simple as. Right.
1: Like an experience.
2: Exactly. Somebody comes in, you know, and they want a helix piercing and they're very, very specific. I want a helix piercing with a hoop in it. You don't get any open ended options with that. But when someone comes in and says, I want a curated piercing, this is your time to shine. Look at that ear. Really, really study the anatomy. Look at your jewelry you have in stock. Make sure that what you have, what what you have in mind for their particular anatomy, and what you have in stock, make sure it's going to flow. It's going to be cohesive. Make sure it's something you put out there that when you, when the moment you post it, you hope that it goes viral and people start hitting the like buttons on those. Uh, you start getting those reactions, and even if you don't, the end result, you did some rad piercings and you use some awesome jewelry. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that.
1: It's a serious win win. I usually. Try to stay neutral on topics like this, but this is really a win for our industry. Yes, if you want to get real technical you we can be upset about what was done in that video but let's be honest, it could be far worse it yeah. could it could create more issues for us but the the big thing is is that from a consumer point of view. It looks like everything was exce- like exceptionally clean. Everything was professional. And, and I'm stressing the looks here. But it, it allows a new clientele to realize that jewelry shops that provide piercings, and that is now seems to be something that is occurring, where it's spending time with people, giving them what they want, trying to work with what they would like to
2: do absolutely you know and i've i've always felt that way for years on end. you know i've i've had many discussions over the years with uh with nick from body vision you know about this kind of stuff and with the knowledge especially with higher end items you know as hot as gold is in a lot of studios uh you know and just with with your potential clients it takes a certain amount of knowledge to be able to sell some of those pieces uh granted you know you have someone comes in they tell you i have a thousand dollar budget, i want my ear to look something like this cool but sometimes you may have to work a little bit harder to get that sale, and that product knowledge is part of what comes into it, you know, making turning yourselves into that salesman. And I've always believed, you know, part of our jobs, I think with, with piercers, it's it's a rule of thirds, you know, and I think, you know, at least 30% of it, anybody can do a piercing. You can buy needles off Amazon, or you can put a hole in somebody and call yourself a piercer. Whoop-de-doo. Right. Uh, the second, third, it comes out to the... Skill, the knowledge, the expertise of the individual actually doing the piercings, and third comes down to personality. And I think with a combination of those last two thirds, that's where it brings us into that salesman pitch. Being able to know how to sell your jewelry, being able to know how to pitch to customers. Not everybody's going to react to the same sales pitch you have for every single person that comes in. So you have to adjust accordingly for the individual. But I think I definitely that the salesman pitch, being a jewelry salesman, uh, however you want to put it, that is an absolute big, big part of this big craze.
1: I think that makes a really valid point. Like, I hate to say it, you can be like, well, this is diamonds. Like you, like, you look like you like diamonds. Like, that's not how that works. Feeling out a conversation with an individual as soon as they come into your store, you should be able to get to know that person within the first minute or two and then realize what they're trying to get. And I, th- I think this is important that we touch down on this. You can have the best jewelry on the planet, and if you shove... 10 piercings with $2,000 ends on each one in one ear, it can still look terrible. It's trying to figure out what works for the client, what aesthetically works for their anatomy, and then something that you'll be proud of. And I think that's something that a lot of people should think about before they start offering heavy quotations, curated piercings, or any sort of piercing like that, because you don't want to be the individual that... Take $500 from a young lady and just slams a whole bunch of stuff in there because they're expensive ends. Curated doesn't mean expensive. It means doing something that is simple and clean and something that works for someone within their budget. Like it doesn't have to be gold.
2: Yeah, it's it's well placed. It's aesthetically pleasing to the eye. You know, sometimes I see some of these ears just crammed full of gold and there's no rhyme or reason to them. Uh, And it it just takes me back to this to that movie. I'm going to get you sucker. Uh, where the guy OG'd, you know, he overgolded. Uh, and I see that. And sometimes, you know, I look at it, I'm like, man, there was a lot of potential for this to look really, really great. Like, I understand there's a great value, of a dollar amount in that. Uh, and someone's probably really proud of that here, you know, the wearer and the individual doing it. But in some cases, less is more, and simplicity is definitely way more elegant in certain cases. Uh, and it can definitely speak speak a lot more doing a few well base cohesive piercings and letting some of those jewelry pieces really shine as opposed to just cramming a bunch of really awesome jewelry where it, it's kind of hard to discern what's going on.
1: You know, you don't want to throw a grenade made of gold and then just have it explode on someone's ear. Like that's not going to be aesthetically pleasing to anyone besides the person who made that sale. In my opinion, yeah. that's just my two cents. Yeah,
2: no, absolutely. You know, I put, I put up a picture the other day of one of, of this product that I've been working on with a customer for the past couple of years. And she's always been really awesome. You know, she first thing she comes in, she tells me when I started working on her ages ago was I like rose gold so we built her entire ear off of rose gold and each piercing was placed, keeping in mind that we were gonna add something else Uh, and each piece was picked out to be cohesive with whatever else we have going on with the ear Uh, and it's a really simple ear you know it's nothing really crazy Uh, but one of my customers who I've been working on for years as well saw the picture and commented on it he's like and her reply was I saw that video and the first thing came to my mind was that you've been doing this for years already uh, you know, so the, the term itself curated is nothing absolutely new. It's just having to change our mind frame from ear projects or what well, constellation piercings to the next big word, the next, next big buzzword, which is now curated piercings.
1: I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think the thing that I'm trying to stress in this conversation with you, because I have seen the projects that you work on in person, I've seen them on the internet for the last 10 years. They're always very clean, very precise, and it's not like they're overbearing. You can have simple hoops and just simple gold discs, and that could be more visually appealing than making those massive sales. Now, I've worked next to you at Danyland, and I've, had, I've watched you have customers who are looking for you know, doing something fun and you have talked them down from bigger sales because it will actually fit their ear better and be more aesthetically pleasing. And I think that's such a valuable trait to have when you start offering this to your clients.
2: Absolutely. You know, my, my, my job is to take people's money, you know, and in the end, that's what it really is. I'm going to put a piercing in you and I'm going to conduct a transaction. And part of this whole experience is me receiving money in the end. But I won't keep people coming through my doors if I'm dishonest with them. It doesn't make any sense for me to be that way. It doesn't go with my own personal morals and ethics. You know, and I I would much rather have a happy customer with some well-heeled, established piercings than... A customer who thinks their piercings look really good, but when I see them come in, and I kind of cringe, and I have to ask, "Wow, I really did that on you?" You know, I, th- I think it, it speaks a lot more to be able to be honest with somebody and upfront with them, and you'll earn their respect in that manner uh, more than just trying to to do what we're supposed to do and take people's money.
1: Now, with that being said, one of the things as a piercer that I think would be a valuable discussion for a lot of people to hear would be. If this trend does catch on, which I hope it does, do you see there being any sort of impact in having the amount of time that you would spend with one client uh, curating their ear versus having an entire busy lobby full of individuals that want to do that? How do you think that would affect a single piercer studio versus, you know, like a multiple piercer studio with multiple piercing rooms. Do you think that's going to be a negative for them? Or do you feel like this is something we should just learn to do? I
2: I think it's something that we're all – every studio is going to have to learn to adjust to. Uh, Whether you have a big multi-staff like the St. Sabrina's and the 23rd Streets or you have a smaller one-person staff – uh, I think it's going to take some adjusting to be able to adjusting in the schedules and learning how to work with these, uh, whether it be setting up consultation times ahead of time to actually do the piercings, uh, or you know, I, I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, you know, we're actually in the process of bringing another piercer in to work with us. Uh, we're very very fortunate to have Whitney Thompson joining our staff, and she's also really really great at doing these kind of projects as well. Uh, but we'll have three piercers on staff, and the whole Mindset for us is to be able to actually have a knowledgeable professional person up front at any given moment to be able to speak with somebody about these. Uh, And that's that's the way we're going to jump into it. Whether it requires more adjusting of time in the schedule later on, we'll find that out. Uh, as we've all found, you know, it's it's always a learning process. You know, with every different aspect of our studios, uh, even the studios that are 20 plus years into it, we're still trying to figure things out.
1: Right. I think setting up console times would be something that would be immensely valuable, and a lot of studios now don't do this, and I'm, I'm speaking from being a former owner of a one piercing room with just me piercing and how stressed out a full lobby would make me when I have two hours until I close, I have nine clients in the lobby, I have like multiple jewelry changes, and you're like, oh my god, what do I do? But having those console times allows you to break off an amount of time, meet with people, sit down, and actually figure out exactly what they want to get. And I think that's something that a lot of studios may have to actually shift over and adapt to such as, you know, taking appointments like, uh, tattooers do.
2: Yeah. You know, I know with, in the past with some of my customers when they've, when they've called me up, you know, and I, and I, you know, I've, I've established relationships with a lot of these people, and they know ahead of time, you know, to give me a call to see when I'm going to be available. Uh, in the past, you know, when I know they're wanting to do, like, these these multi-piercing projects, uh, and I know their taste and their aesthetics and that kind of stuff, I'll make them my last appointment of the evening, uh, and I'll schedule myself up to an hour of that time for that evening. Uh, that way, it gives me the time to be able to do this, to go over jewelry, to be able to talk about placements, uh, and get everything ready and do the actual piercings. And that worked really, really well for me. <clears throat> so I, 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 don't, I don't know where we're going to go with it. Uh, but I guess we'll, we'll find out if this, if this trend continues, uh, which I'm hopeful it does.
1: Me too. I think it's – like I said before, I think it's a great thing for our industry because now all of the, the ear projects and triple forward helixes and things of that nature now have this fancy new buzzword. Uh, that is going to reach a lot more people and hopefully we'll get to do more of that stuff because let's be honest that stuff is a lot of fun Um, especially when you find like the right piece for the right person in the right color you know and their eyes light up that's why we do it yeah
2: yeah you know and that's definitely one of the things you know I don't you know when when someone comes in and they want one of these with me you know I don't I don't ever talk about numbers first. I don't ever bring up budget or anything like that. I let them fall in love with these the jewelry first and what we have in mind. Uh, and if it's unattainable for them, uh, sometimes they'll settle for, you know, something a little less. More often than not, I've had people say, you know what, I really, really like that. I want to save up and have this done properly. Uh, you know, and I think it's, it's really, really awesome. It's going to be a great trend if it continues despite us... People not liking the word curated or whatever. Uh, if it's going to keep bringing that demographic of customers in my studio that are going to spend that money, you know, it's, it's all good. It's a win win for everybody all around. You get beautiful, amazing jewelry put out there. That means every time that happens, our manufacturers are having to make more jewelry for us. That's making our manufacturers happy. Yeah, yeah, I, I can go on and on about how great this is going to be. Going to be for everybody, uh, but I think you know one of the big things that a lot of people we really need to understand is the communication behind it all and how it happens and the interactions. Uh, I think all that's going to also be very, really, really vital and important.
1: I think so too. And stemming back to what you just said a moment ago, fall in love with the piece, not with the price, is a big thing too. And I, I'm going to be old man. You know, like old man von doom here and just state that if a client comes in and wants a curated year, but wants to go with titanium, that's not a bad thing. It's just their choice. Maybe they'll upgrade it to a later point or try to save and see the options that they have later. But just because that they are not getting that doesn't mean that they're any less more valuable than a than a client that's going to come in and get gold curated doesn't mean gold curated just means that you are presenting merchandise and information in an expert way
2: absolutely yeah there's definitely nothing wrong to be said with somebody going with a strictly titanium you know kind of curated project uh you know there's just with with the the way the jewelry we're getting the different designs we're getting these days from a lot of the different manufacturers there's boundless and endless possibilities you know even if you go with titanium it's there's no difference it may not be that high ticket sale that you get from a gold sale it's still going to be a pretty good sized ticket right you get to put your name out there and you have a happy customer
1: right and I I always say all the time that I'm here to make People shine. I'm here to make people beautiful. What a, whether they get their lobes pierced with titanium ends, whether they buy like a $2,000 gold end, like, doesn't matter to me as long as they leave happy and everything's done safe and professionally.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I've always I've always laughed. You know, I'm I'm in the business to make money, but I'm also here to make people smile. You know, and I that's right. and I think that's one of the one of the best things that can happen after after you do all this and you get that really nice warm smile, you get that big hug. Uh, I think that overall for me supersedes the monetary value in anything I do, whether it be that two thousand dollar piece or a sixty or seventy dollar piece. Somebody's happy and that makes me happy.
1: Exactly. And I I think that that is an extremely important viewpoint to have. And I, I don't want to say this like this way, but basically, you are one of the people that I know that uses a large amount of gold in almost all their piercings and you have some amazing high ticket items and amazing pieces and you are still willing to do titanium and it's not a bad thing. And I just want to make sure that our younger, more impressionable or not so (laughs) experienced piercers understand that doing jewelry without gold is not a negative thing. It is still an awesome piercing as long as it's done right. And the client is happy.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when, when you break it down you can give somebody a really simple clean piercing with a two millimeter prong cz and it can look a million times better than a 500 hundred dollar piece of jewelry that just isn't pierced properly or aesthetically uh and it just looks like ass you know i hate to put it that way but yeah uh you know there there's definitely a lot that can be said for doing something in a very very simple precise manner it can speak way more volumes and that high-ticket item just doesn't look good.
0: Exactly.
1: So stemming off that, Miro, there's another thing that I wanted to ask you about because it's the first of the year. And as soon as January rolls around, uh, Pantone announces their color of the year. So I wanted to ask you about this because… You're extremely well-known for your gold jewelry combinations, uh, whether it be the color of the stones, the combination of them against the colors of gold, and so on. So Pantone announced its color for the year, like I stated. And if, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with that company, is they're extremely well-known for uh, their color matching. They're the ones that usually typically do the the like, color swabs for like paint and machines and programs and things like that. And they announced that this year's color is actually ultraviolet. According to their website, it says that ultraviolet is inventive and imaginative, and ultraviolet lights the way to what is yet to come. And I think that's a really interesting way of putting it, because... Who knows what we're going to see with it this year in regards to body jewelry. So I just wanted to ask you, do you have any plans for that color? Do you think that we're going to see it in a certain manner? Or do you think that we're going to see like certain combinations?
2: I, I think the the influence that the Pantone color year has on, <clears throat> on our industry, I don't think a lot of people really understand how important it really is. Um, this one company in particular, Pantone, is saying – this particular color is going to dominate all the fashion and style of the year. Uh, And that's actually a really, really big thing. Uh, Fortunately for me and with what I've done at the jewelry, with the jewelry combinations that we have here in San Antonio, I I tend to use a lot of different colors. Uh, And purples is one of those colors I tend to use. Uh, San Antonio is known for being a very culturally diverse and colorful city, uh, and I've always strived to use really bright, bold, colorful combinations. And purples in general tend to follow in that color palette that I use a lot of a lot of times. Uh, so, I mean, I definitely, you know, purples are always going to be there for me no matter what. But I think for someone who's never really paid attention to Pantone, it's something that's really, really important. You know, I, I think I recall last year, I can't remember which studio it was, but they had, they had advertised, you know, that their new jewelry lines that had the Pantone colors of the year in it. And it was a very, very interesting take to see from a marketing perspective in the body piercing and body jewelry industry, because it had, I hadn't really seen something like that put so far, so far forth like that. Uh, Like I said, a lot of people will definitely, they pay attention to it. Uh, Definitely more of your fashion savvy. People will definitely be in line with that. Uh, People that build websites and do graphic design, they'll pay attention to a lot of that. Uh, But we also have a lot of, people like that that are in our industry that are in that are in tune with that kind of stuff and they they do that for their studios uh i guess with turnaround time sometimes it's really hard you know being that it takes so long for our jewelry to come back sometimes it could be hard to keep up with that for some people but i definitely don't see it as a bad thing to be able to incorporate some of those some of those colors in there you know and be able to to really push it towards the people that are very fashion forward uh the fashionistas in a sense and the people that really are really into that.
1: I know the turnaround is kind of a is an industry-wide problem right now and I know a lot of companies are trying to fix it. But with that being said, the nice part about this is is it's the color for the year. So yeah. the entire year this is what you're going to see and you'll Uh, you'll see it more often than you realize it. Now that we've actually talked about it and you're listening to this podcast, I want you to go through your day and in the next – By the time that this comes out, it will be like the middle of January. You'll be able to go through your day, and I want you to try to visually see all the purple that you're going to start seeing uh, in the world. Because you're going to see it in advertisements. You're going to see it on packaging. You're going to see it in things like that you'd never expect, like stamps, like things like that. You'll see it everywhere now.
2: When When you're in the checkout line at the grocery store, pick up a fashion magazine right there. Just pan through it really quick. It, it'll be very, very evident right then and there how big the Pantone color of the year really is, and the the amount that it it can the amount of influence can really have on the colors that are being used that year and the color tones. Uh, I'm really excited about ultraviolet. Like I said, I, I live in a very culturally vibrant city. As far out as some of my color combinations have been on some of my jewelry, I've had, you know a lot of times when I order it, it's a piece that I really, really love, but. Sometimes a combination itself scares me because I don't know how it's going to sell. Uh, Fortunately, my customers know that if they want something really unique, uh, the chances are we might have something right up their alley. Uh, So I'm really, really stoked about being able to use like purples and different kinds of combinations.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to see where things go. Personally, in my opinion, if I had to pick a piece that I think is gonna be fairly popular for the year, I think it would probably be like a Chocta style in yellow gold with a like deep like a deep purple stone in the center of it because it's just simple enough and the two colors contrast with each other or complement each other, excuse me. Um I think it's I think it's definitely gonna be something too because the the neat thing is ultraviolet is not just like your amethyst purple. It's got a lot of deep blues in it. So you'd be surprised like what things are going to come out of this because it can be a little more darker or a little more lighter. So you'll have a whole bunch of different variations, but staying within the same theme.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, when I think ultraviolet amethyst is definitely one of those that, that comes to mind, but it's not my initial stone that comes to mind. I think more of the long lines of like an eye light, uh, which has that purple with a lot more of those bluer tones in it, which is a lot more similar to what that ultraviolet is. Uh, I think ultraviolet, uh, light is one of those stones where a lot of people, I think it's very underutilized by a lot of people. Uh, it definitely has some really, really great potential uh, in jewelry combinations. Uh, you know, going to the lighter end of the spectrum, rose cut Gems have been really, really popular with a lot of studios. Oh, I and, love those. Oh, yeah. I've been a huge fan of them for years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's really, really awesome seeing a lot of studios using these, but seeing seeing like your rose cut amethyst uh stuff like that you know it definitely it'll it's going to make for a lot of fun you know being able to use more like sandblasted stones to get some of those more muted kind of tones in there uh you know and combining those with some you know there's just so much potential with those because you can go with with dark darker richer colors or you can go with on the opposite end and just go with like bright pastels you know it's all going to look really really great
1: i love that stuff and I feel that colors are one of those things that usually aren't on a piercers radar because let's let's be real, a lot of piercers right now are like gold, 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 gold. Like that's all they're thinking about. But you know, you can have a lot of things that complement those. And going back to what you were saying about the fashion magazines, whenever they have like a new season preview or review or anything like that. Please pick up that magazine. Like, just, it's a cup of coffee, usually the cost. Throw it in your, like, cart where you're at the store and take it home and look at it. Because these companies spend millions of dollars on research to find out what colors are going to be hot. And, yeah, we're a little behind the curve with jewelry right now. But you'd be surprised what you'd be able to swap with people that they're trying to look or... that they're trying to get rid of, or, or something along those lines, or maybe have a fast turnaround, because these things are really valuable assets for you. Because then you can try to stay above the curve. And let's be real: when you're talking to clients, you can be like, "Oh, did you see this? Because this is not, like this season's hot color. Like you should really pay attention to this." And more than often than not, people are impressed that you know that little like fashion hint, or be like, "Oh, you a summer or fall person." You know those those little things where you curate to your customer actually uh, r- are really great
2: well and it goes back to what we were talking about how about having to be a salesperson having to absolutely be, having to be in the know you know and fortunately, you know with with our industry there's so many different fast facets and aspects that that are covered within our industry you know and fashion is being one of those really really big things.
1: I wanted to take a second to also, because, or also ask, because you're on the podcast, Miro, how do you go about choosing your color combinations for the jewelry that you order, but also for your clients when they come in?
2: I've always been one of those people. I've always been really keen to my surroundings, uh, and I, I look for inspiration everywhere I go, uh, and it may be me tr- driving somewhere and seeing a sign somewhere that catches my eye. Uh, or you know I'm an avid cyclist you know when I'm out cycling and I see things in nature and I wonder how I can duplicate these color combinations in real life with different gemstones uh, I sometimes I'll go in and I, I have a certain piece in mind and I want it to to kind of create a, a certain kind of mood invoke an emotion you know and I think about what color what kind of color combinations can do this you know I can take two different pieces and I can make this one piece look, extremely just classy and elegant but i can also use different stone combinations to turn around and make it be a really fun playful kind of piece uh you know and i think i think being really keen and aware of your surroundings and just paying attention to to what's out there can really really help influence a lot of these color combinations uh, you know, usually when I go about, and it's funny, you know, with the whole curated piercing kind of trend, uh, I've had a few piercers, you know, that have come in, and we we sell quite a bit of gold in our studio, but they're kind of they're kind of baffled with with our display because we don't have we don't have a really lot of jewelry out on display. We keep a lot in back stock, but everything that's ordered, it's all ordered, it's been and it's been the same way for years. It's all been ordered very very concisely and deliberately. Uh, I order pieces keeping in mind that. I have these particular pieces in stock, and wait, this might go really, really well with this. If someone wanted like a multiple piercing kind of project, you know, so I, I or a curated project. Uh, so I, I like to keep a lot of different things in mind, you know, when I'm ordering any kind of jewelry, uh, you know. I, I tended with my customers when they want more custom special orders uh we'll have conversations you know I'll talk to them a little bit, kind of figure figure them out as an individual uh and then we'll talk about different colors they like you know and I'll make some suggestions for' them, you know, and sometimes. Sometimes they might be into it, and then sometimes, you know, I some of their the ideas they have, you know, I'll go into it with a little bit and explain to them how certain colors may be overpowering for others. or They may wash out other colors and different colored gemstones. So it, it's a very, very interesting process the way it goes through. But in the end, you know, we end up with these really, really concise pieces that can all be curated together. And it all works out really, really well to give this really cohesive, beautiful-looking front, you know, a really, really nice, well-organized. Everything's really, really just aesthetically pleasing. It flows with the anatomy. It's not big or overpowering. You know, if the person doesn't want that, if it's not their personality. Uh, So it's definitely, like I said, it's a very, very long process, whether it be I'm ordering for the studio or for a customer.
1: I think you're doing the right thing. By the way that you're explaining and describing the situation is it's equal parts you being able to read and understand the individual and then also being able to use the tools and jewelry that you have available to you to or not accommodate accomplish those goals i always describe selling as dancing but i'm never leading the dance i'm always like following and trying to step with the person so that we're on the same page because as soon as you start trying to like push them into like buying something it usually never goes really well (laughs) so i'm i'm usually like sure what are you looking for like what color do you normally keep your hair what color outfits do you normally wear like so on and so forth so yeah i think it really it really works out Exactly the way that you're explaining.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think I think you know, going back to one of the things that I mentioned earlier, I think you know, one of the most important parts, you know, and I think part of it, I'm also biased, but my, my background, my background is in communications, uh, you know, and I think I think that it's one of those aspects that a lot of us tend to overlook more than anything, uh, and not all of us communicate in the same manner, uh, and not everybody's receptive in the same manner. So it goes back to once again. Being able to read a person, you know, within within that first minute or so, uh, you know, I usually, I, I think prejudging is one of the one of the things a lot of people are really, really, we're, we're guilty of. Uh, you know, we see somebody walking up through the doors and you're like, oh man, this person is going to waste my time. Uh, you know, without thinking in our mind at that point, we've already pretty much eliminated ourselves from that conversation because in our mind, we already have it set that, this person's not going to spend any money with me. Uh, little did you know that with your conversation with them, they came in and dropped a couple hundred dollars on a piece of jewelry, but had you not done that from the get-go, that sale might have been a little bit higher. Uh, so I think that the communication barrier uh, for a lot of people, is gonna, it's going to be a little inhibiting when it comes to some of these. We get a lot of people that are really excited about their jobs, but being excited can also be kind of overbearing sometimes. And I I, and I think that can definitely have a really, really big impact on on the on the consumer and you know what what they're willing, the extents are willing to go and what they're willing to spend on on their projects or their curated ear piercings or whatever it may be.
1: I, I think all of that information in itself is extremely valuable to almost anybody, <laughs> you know, it gives you the chance to reflect in the way that you do piercings as well as the way that you do your, like you handle yourself at the counter. Uh, if anyone ever has the chance to do so, I would strongly recommend having like a coworker tape you when you talk to a client and you can see exactly the mannerisms that you do, the ticks that you do, how you come off to the client and it will really give you the opportunity to, possibly change things or improve on, you know, little things that could help you out because when you work by yourself, you think you're doing a great job all the time. And I think having a little bit of like self-reflection, if you can't travel to another shop to learn with another piercer or work alongside one is a really valuable tool that you can use. Even if you're at a location where uh, you're piercing by yourself.
2: Yeah. You know, and I. I, I think you know and i this is going to be way off top from what we've been talking about but you know it, it's going back on the whole communication thing you know and i i think a lot of us we're, we're we're extremely blessed to be able to do what we do you know we get to come to work we get to look the way we want to do we get to use rad jewelry we get to have fun we get to meet really really cool people uh but we're professionals and i think that word professional at it tends to get overlooked in certain aspects, you know, something we're professional on a lot of different aspects, but on some things we're not. Uh, and I think one of the big things is like the, the nonverbal communication that goes into it, you know, and I think that's actually bigger than a lot of times what we say, uh, you know, our, our actions, uh, our tone, all that stuff's really, really, it's, it's really important to the conversations we have, you know, going back to curated piercings, you know, uh, you're a professional, uh, dress like one you know it definitely it, it can go a long ways you know I've, I've made it a point for years on end you know i allow myself to wear t-shirts to wear one day a week uh the rest of the week i'm wearing collared shirts a button-up shirts whether it be with jeans or shorts because i think that my overall appearance is part of my message and the communication that i'm actually being able to give to my customers uh and that's really really important to me
1: i think that's an important thing too you know i I hate to say it because my dad used to say it, but dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. So, really uh, take that into consideration too, because yeah, like hoodies are comfortable. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. And this is coming from the guy who wears cupcake shirts all the time. But and and a lot of people disagree with this. If you're presenting yourself in a more professional manner. You typically, you'll, you'll have a lot of clients that will respond positively to the way that you dress, and then other clients that didn't mind if you were in a hoodie or if you were in that type of outfit. So there's not really a lot to lose.
2: Yeah. Well, and let's take this whole curated piercing trend into, into account now, though, too. Uh, you know, Say that every curated piercing that comes through your door, the only way it can be done is with gold. Part of your salesman pitch, you're not going to walk into a jewelry store to purchase a two thousand dollar ring and the individual is unkempt they're dressed professional they're dressed their attire is appropriate for their job uh and i think that can play a really really big part of this curated trend is you know let's put on the big boy pants let's start being professionals at what we do and all different aspects encompassing aspects of what we do
1: you nailed that topic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't even know how to respond to that. That concluded that perfect. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's jump into this last part here. All right. At the end of some episodes, we usually get a little bit of listener mail. And one came in this week in regards to last week's episode. And I was just wondering your two cents on it, Miro, because you've been in this industry for a long time. So this question is from a fellow piercer and they wrote into us last week's episode. Nostril screws were discussed on your podcast in the episode. It was stated that they were a bad thing ever since I used them in my apprenticeship. I've always used them for nostril piercings. I have not seen issues with healing piercings with them. Am I doing my clients a disservice by using them? So we come from two different camps and two different areas. Uh, I used nostril screws in my apprenticeship, so I have a few views on them. But Miro, why don't you go ahead and give us your two cents on that topic?
2: I think that they still they hold a place they still hold a place in our industry. I think to say that one is better than the other may be a little far fetched uh you know and i think when you start getting into the more technical kind of aspects and conversations of it uh you know people will start talking about well when you're bending a jewelry you know you're you're creating a a surface area that's no longer consistent with the way it was before you bent it uh you know the porosity and this and that but none of that's coming in contact with the actual wearing surface you know and i think i think they both have their place and i think a lot of it really comes down to Having that conversation with your customer before you pierce them uh, and letting them know that the advantages and disadvantages to both different styles. I don't see anything wrong with either one of them. Uh, Personally, I've been team nostril screw forever. Uh, I like them. I like their ease of use for myself. Uh, and that's also the argument that people will have for using, you know, threadless jewelry or push pin jewelry uh, is that it's it's easier for them to use. And I can understand in setups where people are moving more towards, you know, I'm going to do this all disposable and this and that. Uh, You know, I I think they hold their place in a lot more studios than Nostril Screws did years ago. But I think we need to really take a step back and look at the larger picture. The number of people using threadless jewelry for, you know, or flatback style jewelry for Nostrils, it's probably really relatively small when we take the entire industry uh, into consideration, you know. The amount of people using quality jewelry, that number is very, very small in general, you know, all the way around. Uh, So once we start looking in that aspect, I think there are way more people using nostril screws than there is Threadless Jewelry, and I think a lot of it comes down to being able to have this conversation with your customers about, you know, there's pros and cons to both, you know, and some will argue, you know, I I like to say, you know, when I'm talking to my customers, I'll let them know, I've got two different styles we can use. Uh, We have your traditional nostril screw style, uh, you know, your pros to that. It's going to be easy for you to take in and out. Uh, The the cons maybe that you have this little uncomfortable wire in your nose that you need to get used to, uh, you know. And then we go into you know talking about threadless jewelry, and you know we'll talk about how comfortable they are, uh, and then we'll talk about how how not as easy as they are to take in and out for customers as compared to like a nostril screw. And I let them make their decision based on that information. Uh, I don't see I don't think that one is inherently better than the other. Uh, I think they both have their advantages and disadvantages, and I think they will both still forever hold a place in our industry. Uh, I think where where it can get damaging by saying that one is superior than the other uh, is that it can be really, really off putting to a piercer who is wanting to step their game up. Uh, you know, for years on end, we had piercers who thought that the only way they could become members of the APP was that they had to work out of a statum, you know. Uh, so now are we going to start making piercers who want to become better piercers think that they can't do make this step to becoming a better piercer because they're not using Threadless jewelry in their nostrils? I think it can be a little bit more damaging in a sense when it's put in a series of absolutes that one is better than the other. You know, say you have this young piercer whose owner has has whose owner's an old schooler, but he's decided they that they, yeah we want to step our game up, uh, and he does all the jewelry ordering and nostril screws is all that he's ever ordered. Uh, is this piercer going to feel as competent as the next piercer because he's not using threadless jewelry or working out of a statum? I I like I said I think I think that's where where it's way more damaging to say that one is better than the other when the reality is i think they both hold their place uh within body jewelry uh i think that with the with nostril screws i think the bending of nostril screws i think it's becoming more and more of a lost art form Uh, to be able to bend a nostril screw appropriately for somebody that they can get in and out easily without having tool marks on the wearing surface or having that that bend rate come in contact with the wearing surface. I think that's a really, really lost art these days. Uh, a lot of piercers, you know, a lot of the younger piercers uh, have admittedly said, you know, I don't know how to bend a muscle screw. I've never worked with one in my entire life. And I think that can be really, really jet- damaging for some piercers in a sense. Uh, you know, and I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking about you know, electricians and plumbers, you know, and when they're when they're journeymen, you know, working their way towards their, their masters or towards their towards being a master electrician or plumber, uh, they have to learn every aspect, you know, not just everything that's new and ongoing with that and with that particular with their trade, but they also have to learn about things that are older in a sense. Uh, because it's not always going to be absolute in a sense that everybody's going to have one particular style you know uh, and I think it's the same thing with body jewelry uh, you have to be able to to know every different aspect of what it is you're doing and I think bending nostril screws is one of those things where it's becoming easier for people to say I'm going to go disposable because I don't want to use any tools but they're also losing that skill that's part of part of our job you know and it was for years on end until you know I, not that nostril using flatbacks and nostril screws is a relatively new trend. People have been doing it for a while, but I think the the biggest push we've seen of that has been within like the past eight to five years. Uh, you know, so it's definitely, and I'll go into the communication aspect again, you know, when say you have a younger piercer who's ever used a nostril screw and they have a customer who's come in, who comes in and they want to purchase a nostril screw, but they don't have it on in stock. And, they don't know how to communicate efficiently or effectively, and they tell the customer, "Well, I don't carry those anymore. Those things are old; they're antiquated. We just don't use them." You've just told this customer who's potentially spending money in your studio that they're old, in a sense, if they want to take it that way. Uh, you know, so I, I definitely I think that it's a very, very lost art form and a skill set that that shouldn't be lost in our industry. We're all about preserving our industry and the history of it. Uh, you know, and I think that bending nostril screws is one of those things that it it could eventually be lost if if we continue on this trend that's saying one is better than the other.
1: I think when you are in an industry that is skill based, it is very important to have as full of a toolbox of tricks and techniques as humanly possible. What if a client comes in with a nostril screw from BVLA and they're like, Hey, can you help me bend this? And you're like, oh, my God, if I mess this up, I broke a BVLA nostril screw. You know, like that's that's not a situation that you want to be Be like, no, I can't do that. And be like, well, aren't you the best shop in town? Well, yeah, but, you know, I don't I don't know how to do that.
2: It's funny that you bring that up, though, because a few uh got yeah, probably about two or three years ago, I had a customer who was a regular of mine who purchased a piece of jewelry. She loved it. She moved out of state, uh, and she lost her jewelry, and she wanted to replace it. So she called us because we always had it in stock. So we mailed her a nostril screw out, uh, and I gave her a referral to a studio to go to. That way they could bend it for her. And she sends me a message a couple of days after her jewelry arrived. She's like, can you send me somewhere else? She's like, the place that you sent me to, does not they don't bend these. And at that point, my mind was blown. It's like I sent you a referral somebody who could potentially go in and spend more money in your studio, but because we didn't know how to do part of our job correctly, you've lost that potential future customer, and they're now in somebody else's hands.
1: That sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, there's there's no, like, ifs, ands, or buts, you know? Yeah. Like, case, case in point, uh, a few years ago, I when I was living in Albany, we had one of those really old ovens that had an oven on the top and an oven on the bottom. And one day it just like broke. And we called, I think like 10, 15 different like people to come in and look at it. And they're like, I don't know how to fix this thing. It's too old. And then eventually we called a father and son and the son shows up and he's younger than all the other guys that I've seen so far. And he was like, Oh yeah, I know how to fix this. My dad used to have one of these at home. And because he worked with his old man, he was able to, like, know about that older style of uh, older style of oven. And in turn, I was like, give me your card because I'm just going to call you for the rest of the time that I'm here. And exactly. it's it's one of those things. Like, you should – you may not appreciate them and you may not want to use them, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't know how to accommodate them.
2: Yeah, and not only accommodate, but bend one properly. That way – we don't have a wearing surface full of them and or you know you're putting one into a fresh piercing that with a bend radius where it swells into that you know uh it's the same thing you know when you're bending those you use longer lengths and threadless knot and, and threadless jewelry uh for nostrils why not accommodate for swelling with a nostril screw you know it it kind
1: of makes sense. <laughs> I hate to say it, but, you know, think about it this way. All of the major jewelry companies still carry them. So obviously there's a demand for them still. So there's something to, th- something to think about. But then even Neometal created a threadless nostril screw uh, in yeah. which you could put a threadless end into it. So why would, a, why would a company create something like that if they're dead in the water? In a sense, I I just think it's one of those things where there are going to be debates on it and there are going to be pros and cons for both sides of the argument itself. No, no one side is completely at zero fault about it. (laughs) Right. But the but the big thing is, is uh, I think that it's really important, especially for younger piercers or piercers looking to step up their game, that if one individual says one thing, like, for example, you are pro. Nostril Screws, and the last, last week's guest uh, was against them. There, there's always multiple views and multiple reasons why one person likes one thing and one person possibly doesn't. So just make sure that you, and I stress this every single episode, do your research, talk to people, ask questions in various like piercing forums or ask other people in your community and make an opinion for yourself. Don't just take something that one individual says and preach it as fact. I think that's important. Just like yeah. any, any of my listeners, I would never expect you to just be like, oh, well, Will said this. Well, don't listen to me. Listen to other people and then make a decision on that.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's exactly what it is, whether it be for ourselves or for others, you know, present the information and you make the choice that's right for yourself or allow the customer to make the choice, you know, that they want. Uh, but I think once we start getting into into absolutes, I think it it can be a little bit more damaging than than intended, you know. And I definitely I don't want to I don't want I, I to put anybody off, whether it be from the consumer end uh, thinking that the jewelry they have is inferior, uh, you know, and I don't want piercers to go on thinking that the other is better than the other either. Uh, but I think it's it's very, very important that we don't speak in absolutes about this stuff. Uh, you know, and I, I think the end result, at, you know, whether you choose to use a threadless nost- a threadless jewelry or a nostril screw, I think the end result is the same. And the end result should be an aesthetically pleasing piercing that heals properly and heals well. Uh, you know, when I was younger, you know, and I was participating in sports, I remember when my coach, one of his favorite sayings, he would always say, well, there's a million different ways to skin a cat. Uh, You know, and it it basically it meant it meant that there are many different ways to achieve that end result. Uh, And whether you view one or better as the other, uh, that's irrelevant. The the most relevant point is that what you've done, you know, with regards to piercing is that you've done a clean, safe piercing with an appropriate piece of jewelry that heals well. And that's going to be the end result. And how you get to that result, it doesn't matter. Make your customer happy. Give them what they want. And as long as it does what it's supposed to do, what you've intended it to do, your job's done. Right.
1: And I agree with that. Going back exactly to last week's episode two, it's okay to ask why. You should be asking why we do this or why is this okay or why is this not okay to get all the information that you can and come to a conclusion yourself.
2: Absolutely. You know, I've always encouraged younger younger piercers and apprentices that have approached me over the years. And that was a valuable thing that was bestowed upon me years ago was, was question everything, uh, you know, and then make your own decisions. You know, and it's always stuck with me. And I try to impart that knowledge upon some of the younger people that come to me looking for advice. Just because your mentor tells you to do it this way or that way, question it. Ask why. Find out why it's done that way and make your own decisions based off of that.
0: Yep. If
1: I never did that, I would not be in the position that I am in the industry right now. So I support that 110%. Yeah. So, Miro, I really want to thank you for coming on this week and talking about all of these amazing topics and laying down a little bit of truth in regards to a lot of it. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media, if there's anything you want to plug, anything that you want to let our listeners know?
2: Yeah, you can find me. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my handle is piercer Mito. Uh That's piercer, M-I-R-O. Uh, you can find Dandelion on Facebook and Instagram as well. You can give our studio a follow. Uh, and I'm always around, you know, if people want to ask questions, talk about different things. Uh, I'm always willing to give people, you know, some critiquing on on piercings. You know, I'm, and I've also been known over the years to help out some of my counterparts, you know, uh, picking out jewelry, you know, making that step into uh, carrying, you know, so a nice curated collection of jewelry to go into curated piercings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Red, and uh, we'll include links to uh, Dandyland Miro's uh, Instagram and everything like that in this week's show notes. So um, you can go ahead, give him a follow. And it is really great because whenever Miro gets like a new line of jewelry that he's ordered – progressively usually over a week or so he like leaks them all out so you can actually see some unique combinations of stones that you normally don't see and also different types of jewelry that you know may work for his area but are irregardless absolutely gorgeous
2: yeah thank you very much for having me on will i appreciate it
1: yeah no problem thanks for talking uh give everyone at the shop a massive hug especially benji because i miss him and uh Hopefully next time I see you, I will drink all of the Topo Chico that is in San Antonio. Yes, yes, we will. (laughs) Miro really brings up some solid points about making sure to always do your research when making opinions and making sure you're able to handle any situation thrown at you. I truly look forward to where this curated piercings trend is going, and more importantly, how our industry can use things such as the Pantone color charts or fashion trends to influence the jewelry we carry for our clientele. If you're looking for some inspiration or just want to check out some of the jewelry Miro has created in the past, feel free to check out his personal social media. Both can be found in this week's show notes. In other news, I've been busy working to spread the outreach and safe piercing message in my local community. My current shop, Born This Way Body Arts, has given me the opportunity to do this, and I'm super excited to see where I can take this and what awesome things can result because of it. School started back up here, and I've been taking a few communications courses. I find them extremely interesting, and I have been able to use them in conversations with friends, family, and in some of our upcoming interviews. Let me know if you like the changes or if you prefer the old way. Also, thank you so much to all you folks that gave to the podcast on Patreon. We appreciate every donation our listeners have given us. Even a dollar makes a massive difference. Lastly, we have a ton of guests and some controversial topics coming down the line for the podcast. I am truly excited for the content that we have been providing and where the podcast is headed. I would like to thank our ongoing sponsors of the podcast, Other Couture Jewelry. Owner Mike Knight has recently been fine-tuning his catalog for its upcoming launch. He will also be traveling to the Powers That Be Piercing in Vancouver, Washington from February 9th to the 11th. His books will be open and he'll be doing dental impressions. To schedule an appointment or to check out where he's traveling next, make sure to follow him on his Instagram. Sponsor Goldheart Woodworks just launched
0: their new website, bodyjewelrydisplays.com. This site is amazing to say the least. Need a display for an upcoming piece? Want to peruse the new designs? Want to check stock? You can do all these things on bodyjewelrydisplays.com.
1: Do yourself a favor, take a peek at these designs, print them out, and put them standing in your case. It will show you what your case could look like with an upgrade from these fine folks. Visit
0: the site and, as always, follow their social media to keep up to date with new designs and products. Our final sponsor for this week's episode is from my West Coast
1: family, former guest Adam Richens and his beautiful partner Shelby, Run the only studio I trust in Santa Cruz, California, to send clients and listeners to. That studio is Amory Body Arts. For all your piercing and jewelry needs, make sure to visit our friends at Amory. You can find more information about these companies under the Sponsors tab on our website,
0: realtalkapiercingpodcast.com. To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at RealTalkPiercingPodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own and do not represent the official position of the Association of Professional Piercers or their places of employment. Music by Rogue for Free.